1: it is Monday, July the 11th, 2022, and protests have been erupting all over the planet for the past, I don't know, week. I mean, it's it's really been pretty interesting, actually. I mean, uh, protests not just in the Netherlands. We're going to be talking about that coming up at 15 past the hour with uh, Kian Bexty, a journalist out of Canada who spent last week in the Netherlands. But Sri Lanka, Kenya, China, Albania, Argentina, and others... All protesting. Inflation, food shortages, farming, and all the rest. We're going to have that conversation coming up at 15 past the hour. Is there an agenda there? Coming up at 35 past the hour, we'll, uh, we'll talk about the history of brewing uh, beer, in fact. That's going to be on the conversation list today, so hopefully that'll be very interesting. Trevor Alcorn is going to be our guest. And then at the top of the next hour, if you can still join us, we'd love to have you. Mark Houck from the Kingsman is going to be our guest. And, you know, there was a sad story. There was a, an elderly gentleman who was beaten. Uh, he died of his wounds with a traffic cone by teenagers, just randomly, no reason, just because. Just in his and his family's is still in great mourning. This was in Philadelphia. But this was just one of countless stories we're seeing coming in the news these days. And I ask the question, is society collapsing? Are we headed towards, you know, is it Marvel or DC that's Metropolis? I, the Batman story. It's like, that's where we're headed. And uh, we're in Gotham, Gotham City? Gotham City. Gotham yeah. City. Yeah. Metropolis, is, Metropolis Star- is where Superman lives. Superman. Superman. <laughs> and that was less crime-ridden. Yeah. So it's Gotham City that I mean. Right. Gotham City. Is that where we're going? I think I like Metropolis better. (laughs) Yeah, so would I. But nonetheless, uh, the city of God is what we ought to be going. But nonetheless, we are dealing with Gotham City. That's coming up. At the top of the next hour. Good morning to
2: you, uh, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. It's so good to be here today. Is it? And uh, you know what? It's is, a fantastic week mm-hmm. for the Fear and Trembling game show. Is because it? Because we got something real special for you this How time. How special is special? It's it's pretty special. On a
1: on a on a special scale of one to ten, where we where are we sitting right now? It was uh, created mm-hmm. in
2: the year 1887. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Oh yeah. 1887. So you better hedge your bets and (sighs) have the number ready to go Mm -hmm. when we get to the Fear Mm -hmm. and Trembling section. If Mm -hmm. you want to check it out, if you want to find out what that number is, go on to grnonline.com slash cdt. I have a book in my
1: collection uh, from Archbishop Spaulding from 1887. Huh. Uh, the church... Is that the basketball li- guy? Yeah. Church, Liberty, and Culture, I think is the name
2: of is it. Is that the guy they named out Spalding, Spalding Balls out of?
1: I am, I'm I'm going to go on eleven and say no. Hmm. Uh, but who knows? It's possible. Hey, Adrian, did you uh, stock up on food and uh, and toilet paper over the weekend? Nope. Well, that's too bad because Elon Musk is backing out of the Twitter deal. Oh. So that, well, you know, it's time to hoard. The world is going to end now. The world is going to end. Oh, well. Yeah. It's okay.
3: <laughs> oh, well. But maybe it'll... Uh, and the the good news is that it probably will end up collapsing Twitter. That'd be great. <laughs> that would be it decent. would be, <laughs> be quite a quite a uh, quite a consolation prize, I would say, for sure. But uh, you know, praise be to God. And I had a good weekend. Uh, my buddy uh, got married, so now it's Mr. and Mrs. Patterson. Praise hey, be to God. Congratulations, so congratulations to Josh. And it was a wonderful wedding. I got to serve the last minute, the last possible second that morning. I got a call. You finally and was got like, the nod, and I was told, <laughs> "Help! Help!" Our third four yeah. got sick. We need someone now. Okay. And truth like, is, we, mm, we still wanted them okay. to do
1: it anyway, even though they're they're sick. No, basically, they told me that. They are like, yeah.
3: They were like, oh, he's sick, and we might need you to on standby just in case he mm. doesn't show up. Mm-hmm. And they're like, but we really don't really want you. Yeah. So that's how kind of that. Happened. Well,
1: praise be to God. Congratulations, Josh uh, and his lovely bride. What a wonderful thing. Praise be to God. Uh, we appreciate Josh being a part of our CDT Insider crew. A, also, over the weekend, Sunday morning, there were three churches to include a Catholic church attacked in Montgomery County, Maryland. Arson is expected. This was at St. Jean-Francis de Chantel uh, there near the uh, the Beltway in Bethesda. So let's pray for uh, a justice to be to be had in that circumstance. Let's find these people that are guilty of destroying our churches, attacking our pregnancy clinics, and all the more. And let's um, make sure that they go to jail. That'd be a great thing. President Biden, a Catholic uh, purportedly, is determined to put the full weight of your federal government and tax dollars to support abortion by executive fiat. Archbishop William Lori of Baltimore said it is deeply disturbing and tragic that the president is choosing instead to use his powers, as president of the United States to promote and facilitate abortion in our country. I understand that they're even considering putting a boat in the Gulf Shores, near all those red states, to ensure that those folks can also get abortion offshore.
2: Friends, is it time to stop paying taxes? <laughs> is it finally time? Just Yikes. kidding, it's I a joke. joke. It's for the reasons, for wink, reasons wink. that's a joke. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, so much to cover today. Let's pray, let's get started. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O oh, most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.
2: And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is Monday, July 10th. And here are your headlines this morning. From the Washington Examiner, the headline goes, Liberal protest group offers bounties for info on where conservative justices are located. The justices targeted by the group Shut Down D.C. are John Roberts, Brett Kavanaugh, Samuel Alito, Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, and Amy Coney Barrett. The group tweeted that it is willing to give $50 to anyone who gives a confirmed sighting and $200 if the justice or justices are in the same area 30 minutes after their location is given. On Wednesday night, Kavanaugh was forced to exit through the back door of a restaurant while dining in downtown Washington after abortion rights protesters showed up. Reuters reports Sri Lanka president steps down, parliamentary speaker says, amid storm of protests. Sri Lanka's president plans to step down, the country's parliamentary speaker said on Saturday bowing to intense pressure after a violent day of protests in which demonstrators stormed the president's official residence and set fire to the prime minister's home in Colombo. Details of how a transition of power could take place are not yet known, although the speaker earlier outlined proposals from a meeting of political parties that would include parliament picking an acting president within a week. The Epic Times reports border agents falsely accused of whipping had careers ruined by Biden, according to the union chief. A slew of media outlets in the fall of 2021 claimed that border patrol agents on horseback had whipped Haitian aliens who were entering the United States via the Rio Grande. However, an internal review released on July 8th said that there was no evidence that the agents struck any person intentionally or otherwise. Further, U.S. prosecutors declined to charge any of the agents involved. The Border Patrol Union fears investigators had no choice but to find some sort of fault given the quick uh, condemnation from President Biden, Harris, and Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. And LifeSite reports Biden signs executive order promoting abortion on demand. In a fact sheet released early Friday morning, the Oval Office said it would direct the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services to protect and expand access to so-called medication abortion while also ordering the Attorney General and the White House uh, counsel to convene private pro bono attorneys, bar associations, and public interest organizations to provide legal counsel for women seeking abortions, as well as doctors committing abortions. And those are your headline news this morning. I love you.
3: The saint of the day is pretty awesome of a saint. St. Olga, or should I say Queen St. Olga, Olga was born either in 80, 80, 90, or 925 and she was the daughter of Oleg Vershi, the founder of the state of Kievan Kiev Rus. Considering her name, she probably was not Ukrainian or Russian, but rather Van Varangian, a descendant of the Vikings who had invaded Ukraine and Russia in the 8th and 9th centuries. She was born in Poskov, a city in northwest Russia. We know very little about Olga's life prior to her marriage at the age of 15 to Prince Igor I of Kiev. Igor became the ruler of Kiev after the death of his father, King Oleg, in AD 912, and was an able statesman. His empire spread across the parts of European Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus. However, the neighboring Drevlians decided to stop paying tribute upon Oleg's death. In 945, Igor marched with his army to Iskhorstun to force them to pay. Their leader, Prince Mal, gave Igor everything he asked for. But on the way back to Kiev, his advisors started grumbling about the amount that they paid him. Igor stopped his army and he had a small contingency of ambassadors and soldiers march back to Iskhorstun. And once there, Prince Mal had him murdered. The sent then sent negotiators to Olga to inform her that her husband was dead and to relay Prince Mal's marriage proposal. Olga wrote back to Mal agreeing with his request and added to an odd provision, saying, quote, "'Return now to your boat and remain there with an aspect of arrogance. I shall send for you on the morrow, and you shall say, "'We will not ride on horses nor go on foot. "'You must carry us in our boat.'" They returned the following day to Olga's palace and yelled exactly as she had instructed them to do. The people brought them into the court where they were dropped into a trench that had been dug the day before under Olga's orders where the ambassadors were buried alive. It is written that Olga bent down to watch them as they were buried and quote, inquired whether they were, they found the honor to their taste. They responded by laying siege to Kiev and Olga handily won the war and set the invaders packing. She immediately led her army to Iskorsen and laid siege to it for an entire year, resulting in the eventual defeat of the people who murdered her husband. Credited with the spread of Christianity to Eastern Europe and Russia, as well as her role in advising her son against persecutions of Christians in the Kievan Rus. She is known as Istopostolos, or equal to the apostles. She died in 969.
1: St. Olga, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 11, uh, verse 1. Jesus said to his apostles, Do not think that I have come to bring peace upon the earth. I have come to bring not peace but the sword, for I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter in law against her mother in law, and one's enemies will be those of his household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life Will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever receives a righteous man because he is righteous will receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives only a cup of cold water to one of these little ones to drink because he is a disciple, Amen, I say to you, he will surely not lose his reward. When Jesus finished giving these commands to his twelve disciples, he went away from that place to teach and to preach in their towns. The Gospel of the Lord praise to you lord jesus christ saint Hilary in the fourth century would say quote mystically a sword is the sharpest of all weapons and thence it is the emblem of the right of authority the impartiality of a justice the correction of offenders the word of god we may remember is likened to a sword in uh, ephesians and hebrew so hear the sword that is sent upon the earth is his preaching poured into the heart of man the five inhabiting one house whom he divides three against two and two against three we may explain thus the three are the three parts of man the body the soul and the will for as the soul is bestowed in the body so the will has power of using both in a way it chooses and thence when a law is given it is given to the will But this is only found in those who were first formed by God. By the sin and unbelief of the first parent, all the generations of men since have had sin for the father of their body and unbelief for their mother. Think about that. Whom do we serve? Even if you choose your country above the Lord, you're not worthy of Him. Think about it. We'll be right back.
0: Whenever Christians judge some behavior to be immoral, we're often hit with Matthew 7.1, where Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. But this is a misreading of the text, because just a few verses later in verse 5, he gives us precise instruction on how to judge. He says, First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus, therefore, is not saying that we can't judge a behavior to be immoral. His point is that we need to have a forgiving and merciful attitude toward others as God has toward us. And when we do judge a behavior to be wrong and encourage our brother to avoid it, we need to make sure that we're first a credible witness living an upright life. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com.
1: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's so good to be on with you. Coming up at 35 past the hour, we're going to have an interesting conversation with Trevor Alcorn about the history of brewing. At uh, the top of the next hour, Mark Hauck from the Kingsman Apostle It's going to be on with us to talk about the collapse of society. Are we headed towards Gotham City? College, you is that story out of Philadelphia of that man being beaten with that uh, that uh, traffic cone. is just horrible, and it's so common these days. That's coming up at the top of the next hour, but uh, joining us right now uh, by a phone is a uh, journalist out of Canada. Kian Bexty is his name, and he spent last week in the Netherlands covering the story of the protests of farmers there, and he joins us now by phone. Good morning to you, Mr. Bexty. Good morning. Thanks for having me. We're very grateful for your time today. Uh, You know, I I wonder, I'd like to start with just getting your opinion here. Over the last week, we've seen protests erupt all across the world. Uh, In the Netherlands, which you covered quite a bit, Sri Lanka, Kenya, China, Albania, Argentina, and others. And it seems to be very common. uh, There seems to be a common denominator here. Uh, Food and inflation. Uh, Do you see it that way?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, food, inflation, and energy are the three big ones right now, uh, that the supply of those, uh, energy and food, uh, it has a lot of people really concerned. Um, you know, in the Netherlands, it's, it's a little more nuanced. They're concerned right now that the government is going to expropriate their land after they are forced to sell because, uh, the government is forcing them to cull about 30% of their herds by 2030 to reduce nitrogen emissions. Uh, The uh, bottom lines of farmers are, you know, they they run on thin margins. And uh, if they have to cull 30% of their herds, they're going to have to sell farmland. And uh, they really do not want to do that. So they've been protesting for uh, about two weeks now. And it just keeps escalating because the government is not listening.
1: I was watching some of the stuff that you were uh, sharing on your Twitter feed, which I highly recommend you can find them at the Real TheRealKient.com. K e e a n on Twitter, great information by the way. Um, uh, the they're not buying the whole nitrogen story. There, the farmers they, they're actually saying something different. What is
5: that? Yeah, they're they have a little bit of a, a, an, a an idea a theory, and it I mean it's pretty credible because the Prime Minister uh, Ruta himself has said this on on camera multiple times that uh, it, it's just better to. To take up farmland uh, to buy it up and and replace it with uh, with cheap housing. Uh, so w- their, their theory is that they're using this sort of random nitrogen emissions idea policy to uh, force a lot of farmers out of business so that they can buy their land for pennies on the dollar. it's It's really tragic actually, because you know there's this nitrogen policy that that has been pushed by the WEF and uh, this very left wing government uh but it, if if it goes th- if it goes through if if it stays on um till 2030 when the real execution date is uh farms that have been in families in the netherlands since the 1300s are going to be forced to sell uh, it's pretty tragic because these you know this this is a birthright for people in the netherlands it's all they've ever known is farming all their families have ever known is farming and uh the government it seems, is looking to make a quick buck off them to force them out, to push them out. Uh, if they leave the country or if they start working in factories or at a McDonald's, they don't care. They just want the land, is what it seems like, uh, and they're doing it under the guise of this nitrogen policy.
2: Mr. Bexey, I'm wondering, you know, uh, uh, I think it was last week, there was uh, a footage of some farmers that were protesting, they were in their tractors, and a police officer pulled a gun and started shooting at them to try and clear the uh, the obstruction there. Is that the common thing that's happening there? Is that still happening currently?
5: Well, I was shocked to, uh, to hear about that, and it's something that was happening uh, frequently while I was there. Uh, the police in the Netherlands were becoming reckless, Hmm. Uh, dangerous as well. You know, they they fired shots at lots of people. Uh, but the one I think you're referencing was a 16-year-old boy right. who was just leaving the protest. It's not a crime to leave a protest in the Netherlands. Uh, you know, the, the blockade was being broken up. They agreed to go home. Uh, he pulled his tractor out of the line, turned to go leave. And the police officer later said that his life was in jeopardy in the The boy was charging him with his tractor, but unfortunately for that police officer, it was caught on video, uh, but on multiple angles. Mm -hmm. And the boy was leaving, and for some reason, he thought it prudent to lob lob two shots at him. Luckily, you know, by the grace of God, he uh, was—they missed by two centimeters, missed his head by two centimeters. Uh, If if that boy was driving just uh, you know a kilometer an hour faster or slower, he could have been. Uh, he he could have been, you know, out of commission. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, the police officers, they were acting reckless. And it's something we're seeing everywhere. You know, police officers in Canada, where I'm from, uh, you, you might remember when they were trampling protesters with horses, right. uh, with mounted units. For some reason, these left-wing governments, when they're threatened by protesters who mean business uh, and protesters that they're not sympathetic to, uh, they're willing to get, to use deadly force against them and that's you know, not something that I think a lot of people in the Western democratic world are used to. But I think we're gonna be seeing more of it
1: well that's another common denominator the for the left-wing governments in these same countries that are having all these protests but let's talk about the canada connection to the netherlands it seems like they took a play out of the book with the truckers in canada these farmers have been clogging uh, up the the borders and they've been surrounding these distribution facilities um what is their what is their goal and do you think they could achieve it it seems like in canada For all the greatness that the truckers were able to uh, display to the whole wide world, they didn't seem like at the end they got what they were hoping for. Will that be different in the Netherlands?
5: Yeah, you know, the truckers actually were successful. Uh, The Trudeau government used the media that he pays off, the CBC, which he pays a billion and a half dollars every year to spout his propaganda, to label the truckers as failures. That you know, they at the end of the day, the the mandates were reversed, uh, and the truckers. While they, d- I don't think, uh, you know, the government waited a little bit before they caved. Especially they waited after the truckers left Ottawa. Mm. But the truckers convinced the rest of Canada that it was okay to defy uh, the prophet Trudeau. You know, mm. uh, we saw that okay in video to- this
1: past weekend with hecklers uh, calling him a communist pig.
5: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, people woke up when they saw the convoy and that's uh, to Ottawa. They realized it was okay to defy the orders of Justin Trudeau. And eventually things started unraveling for him and he had to back down. You know, these, these truck, uh, these, these farmers and frankly everyone, the fishermen, construction workers, they're all joining in with the farmers in the Netherlands. They, uh, they're looking at the tactics used by uh, the truckers in Ottawa. I've spoken with them. They say that they were inspired by them. They're taking those tactics. They're refining them. Uh, and they know how to make protests work. Uh, Europeans, when they protest, they mean it. And, uh, these farmers are digging in their heels. They have, uh, strategy. And tactics, uh, that are exhausting police forces, uh, frustrating the government. And, you know, they, one of them told me, you know, Kean this is all I have. What would you do if the government was coming to ruin your life? Mm-hmm. It would take away your family farm, all you've ever known. Would you give up after two weeks of protesting? Mm-hmm. Um, no, they're, they're in it for the long haul and they're in it until the government changes their minds. Some of them are going to be in it till jail.
4: Well,
1: we saw that in Canada as well, right? Their bank accounts, livelihoods taken, their trucks were taken and auctioned off. I mean, it was, it was kind of tragic to see all that. So in, in the Netherlands, how much support do they have from the people themselves? It seems like it's a lot. It's A majority, uh, I would say, according to the news reports that I've seen, are supporting these protesters. But what's the real deal?
5: yeah it's it's hard to see uh to tell exactly especially as a foreigner it's really hard to gauge that kind of thing uh but it it changes whether you're in the city it changes whether you're in a rural area it changes whether you're in the north or in the south but I saw this great video I shared it on my twitter actually of uh i farmers were protesting in downtown Amsterdam, which is you know a liberal hotbed right it's it's new york it's um liberals everywhere supportive of the government uh and you wouldn't think that the farmers would have many friends especially in the downtown districts there but uh you know the business owners who uh, were running bars there and coffee shops brought out uh, flats of beers for the, for the farmers <laughs> who were protesting I saw that, yeah. they brought out uh just uh, huge amounts of beer to support them it was it was crazy <laughs> to see but you know all business owners they're, they know what it's like to be a farmer. They know what it's like to have the government attack them from one way or the, uh, another. So, you know, they're finding support in surprising places, um, whether it's concert goers who are chanting support for the farmers or uh, the fishermen who are joining in in the blockades by blockading harbors. Uh, you know, they're finding support in weird places that I, I don't think they would have found, you know, six months ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, people are worried about what what these globalist governments are doing. They were as we talked about at the start of this interview, they're worried about food supply, they're worried about energy supply. And when the government says we're going to shut down 30% of beef production in this country or dairy production, uh people start wondering You know, my, my grocery bill's already high enough. Yeah. How are you, how are we going to afford groceries if you take 30% of the supply away? The Netherlands exported $80 billion worth of agricultural goods in the last year data was available. Um, that's a, they're a huge player in the agricultural market in Europe and, and the world. And if this goes through, you know, these farmers aren't just protesting for their own livelihood. They're protesting for us. They're protesting to keep our grocery bill affordable so that we can continue to eat good healthy food and not, you know, crickets mm-hmm. like these governments want uh, to replace our <laughs> yeah. protein with.
1: Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was watching celebrities trying to encourage us to eat bugs the other day. It was just disturbing. We're down to about uh, a couple of minutes here with Kian Bextie uh, talking about the, the protests in the Netherlands. Let's bring in Bill Gates on this for, for the last question here. Uh, there was uh, a story come out over the weekend that a, a grocery store called Picnic, I believe it's called, was on fire and apparently Bill Gates is heavily invested in that outfit what can you tell us
5: yes in the eastern region of the country uh just a couple hours you know it was middle of the night uh this grocery store went up in flames and it's hard to comment on it you know nobody knows what happened so i i hesitate to even speculate Um,
1: But it is interesting because Bill in the United States has been buying up land by the tunes of millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of acres, and people are starting to push back there. Is he doing the same thing in the Netherlands?
5: I'm not sure if he's buying land, but he's certainly trying to vertically integrate himself in food distribution. And it makes you wonder why, you know, Bill has told us he wants us to, he wants uh, middle, the middle class to be off of meat, regular meat. He wants it to be either lab-grown or a totally different type of protein, uh, all because of carbon emissions, which, of course, is a lie, uh, just to be clear. Uh, uh, farming and agricultural doesn't uh, have a negative impact on the environment. In fact, it usually helps. Uh, Bill Gates is trying to vertically integrate himself in this, and, you know, that's scary.
1: Wow. Well, we are very grateful to you, Kian Bexty. Uh, go to his website, thecountersignal.com. He's tracking all of this, and I find it very helpful, thecountersignal.com. Kian Bexty, God bless you. God love you. Have a great day, sir. Beautiful. Praise be to God, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: We have more breaking news and stories and beer. Ave Maria School of Law is the Roman Catholic law school in the U.S. Consistently ranked in the Princeton Review as one of the best and most conservative law schools, as well as pre-law's most devout law school. Ave Maria School of Law provides a traditional legal education while placing an emphasis on how the law intersects with the Catholic intellectual tradition and natural law philosophy. Ave Maria School of Law unabashedly Catholic, consistently excellent. For more information AveMariaLaw.edu This is Dale
6: Alquist with a Chesterton Minute G.K. Chesterton says Thanks are the highest form of thought. At the sacrifice of the Mass we hear the priest say, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks. Always and everywhere. Have we ever really thought about that? If we were always thankful to God, always and everywhere, what would our lives be like? Chesterton says, we should always endeavor to wonder at the permanent thing, not at the mere exception. We should be startled by the sun, not by the eclipse. We should wonder less at the earthquake and wonder more at the earth. Thanks are the highest form of thought. Maybe that's why the word Eucharist means Thanksgiving. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org
2: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And uh, now more headlines. This one from Breitbart. Police gunfire burning hay bales on roads as Dutch farmers resist climate agenda. When the Council of State, the country's top administrative court and legislative authority body ruled in 2019 that Dutch policies rein in nitrogen emissions were were inadequate, it forced the government to consider tougher measures, triggering mass protests from farmers. Nitrogen oxides and ammonia raise nutrient levels and acidity in the soil leading to a reduction in biodiversity. Airborne nitrogen leads to smog and tiny particles that are damaging to people's health. The Netherlands, a nation of 17.5 million people inhabiting an area a little larger than Maryland, has 1.57 million dairy cattle and just over 1 million calves being raised for meat. The country's farms produced exports worth 94.5 billion euros in 2019. The Hill reports former Disney employees sue company over vaccine and mask requirements claiming religious discrimination. Three former Disney employees have sued the company and a subsidiary after they say they were fired for refusing to wear a face mask while at work and not getting vaccinated for COVID-19 on religious grounds. The lawsuit claimed that Disney put in place augmented protocols for unvaccinated employees after lifting the vaccine mandate that consisted of harsh isolation and restrictions causing serious breathing problems for plaintiffs and making it nearly impossible to find a compliant manner and location in which to eat or drink while on shift. Reuters reports U.S. considering range of options for ConocoPhillips' willow drilling project. The Biden administration unveiled an environmental analysis for ConocoPhillips' planned $6 billion willow oil and gas project in Alaska and outlined several options for the development, including not building it at all, The Willow Project area holds an estimated 600 million barrels of oil, or more than the amount currently held in the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve. The environmental groups reiterated their position on the project on Friday. Alaska Wilderness League Conservation Director Kristen Miller, in a statement, called it an unparalleled climate and biodiversity threat that puts Biden's climate legacy at risk. And those were your headline news this morning. I love you praise
1: be to god in all things thank you rudy for keeping us up to date you know so much of the stories in the news that we are dealing with you know especially these protests all across the world food and inflation and crackdowns and controls you know at the heart of them is family and traditions that are being trampled and dissolved and if I find it interesting, because I feel like there is there's a, a theme here, and we've invited Trevor Alcorn on our program from Tridentine Brewing, tridentinebrewing.com, to be our guest to talk about the history of brewing. Talk about tradition and family. Good morning to you, Trevor. Morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Thanks for having me. We're glad you're here. Thank you for your time today. Uh, it's a little too early to be drinking beer. Uh but is it? we can talk about it anyway. <laughs> we can't be drunk. It's not yet nine a. nine AM as the famous Saint Peter once said. Praise be the guy. You probably heard that joke probably a billion times. But at any rate, let's talk about Tridentine Brewing real quick first. Uh, tell me about your your company and what it is you're trying to do.
7: Yeah, absolutely Joe. So this is a really a uh right now, at least right now, it is a home brewing initiative that my family runs. Uh so not quite a company yet, although we do have uh aspirations to turn it into a commercial brewery at some point, you know, God willing. Uh but really it's an a family initiative, uh father and sons, uh my father and my brother uh working together to really to brew beer for the greater glory of God. So that's nice. really our, our motto, and uh, that's what we strive to do. And where where are you guys based out of? We're based uh, about 60 miles south of Chicago. I see. And uh, so in order to enjoy
1: your, uh, your beer, one would have to be hanging out at your house at this point, at
7: this, at this stage of the game. Uh yes either hanging hanging out out at the house or a really really good friend. Uh, so unfortunately due to government regulations we can't sell the beer uh, although we can give it away for different you know charity events or church events and things of that nature.
1: Yeah I have a friend who does something very similar but with wine and they label their own wine and on the day that they uh, bottle the wine is uh, whatever feast day that day is is what makes the label oh, so cool. it's uh, and it's good wine we've enjoyed it over the years praise be to god and so it's something very similar why did you feel why did you and your dad and your brother want to get into brewing have you always been a beer connoisseur
6: <laughs>
7: yes so always always been a beer connoisseur especially craft uh, craft beer and really it's something that was a long time in our family Especially with our, uh, my gra- paternal grandfather and then my father, uh, who had been, uh, brewing for many years. But it really started out about eight years ago. Uh, we really got into brewing and, uh, really just took, took off from there. Uh, and then we, we decided, okay, let's go ahead and, uh, also brand this thing, at least for ourselves. Uh, and so we went with, uh, Tridentine Brewing, really just to highlight, highlight our Catholic faith and to do, as I said something before, for the greater glory of God. So, uh, so sometimes we do, uh, well, we do something similar to your friend that you had mentioned, Joe, about with the wine labeling something for the saint that it was bottled on. Uh, so typically we have beers either that are patriotic in nature or more typically uh, a, for a saint or for our Lady or for our Lord.
3: You know, Trevor, it's super interesting. I think the best part about. Trinitine Brewing is the fact that the most people will never be able to try your beer, very unfortunate, but the the labels send such a message that on social media has become very popular and I'm looking forward to the day where people can purchase your labels as like magnets and stickers, things like that, because it's, it's pretty amazing uh, the designs on them and they really tell
7: a story. Could you talk a little bit about y'all's labels since we're, we're talking about that? Yes, of course, Adrian. So, uh, the labeling and the designs, uh, it's really a, a fun, interesting collaborative process that we, we have in the family and with my brother, who's a graphic designer by trade. Uh, so he, he helps us with all of our design, creating all of our labels, our logos, our website. And, uh, it's something that we also look to collaborate with, with artists on, Catholic artists. So, for example, uh, Tracy L. Christensen of Portraits of Saints and Chris Chris Lewis of Veritas Catholic, uh, we've partnered with both of those artists as well to feature their artwork uh, front and center on some of our labels. Uh, so that that's really something that we, when we give the beer away to people, to family, to friends, uh, we want that to be a conversation starter uh, about the faith. Uh, and so really having that beautiful artwork is really key and very important for us. Um, and so Adrian, as you were mentioning as well, uh, we are looking at very soon this summer, actually, having some type of an online store where people want to buy any of the, the labeling because, unfortunately, we can't sell the beer because uh, there's been such a, uh, an interest level, as you said, in the labeling that they'll be able to uh, to do that at, at Uh But the store has yet to be open, but we're, we're looking forward to that.
4: What's the
1: startup cost? Give me an idea of what it would take to go from nothing to a company that can sell
7: its… It's beer across the country. Oh wow! Okay, um, so se- probably, probably uh, s- several hundred thousand U.S. dollars, uh, bare minimum, I would say. Uh, selling across the country, though, unfortunately, is is something that is a, a bit more complex. It is possible, mm-hmm. uh, but we have very. Uh, Let's just say pure, more uh, puritanical uh, <laughs> laws in these United States regarding beer and brewing, and that's something that has a few more hoops to jump through regarding selling it across state lines. So it's relatively easy if you have a brewery to sell in your state, and mm-hmm. then it just when it comes to selling across state lines, you have to deal with distributors, and then uh, you can partner with certain distributors where you can ship alcohol. So there are breweries that do that. Uh, so that is a possibility. And that's something that we would like to do down the line is to be able to ship the beer, you know, directly to individuals.
2: Yeah, I can
1: imagine. Rudy? Uh,
2: yeah, you know, I was just thinking about this, you know, in California and really all over the country, I've noticed that there have been breweries that start a small little uh, restaurant and uh, they have a, a brewery offset there. Have you ever considered doing anything like that in your hometown?
7: uh so yes it's it's definitely been a consideration um uh, now, one of the things about most most breweries that have a a restaurant attached to it is a lot of a lot of the times the the restaurants actually have a higher failure rate than the brewery, and it can sometimes take the brewery down with it, um, so yeah. you'll quite often see brew. Many breweries that pop up now that actually will bring in, for example, food trucks. Mm. And so they don't even necessarily sell food on site. Uh, so I think if we're going to go that route, that's probably at least initially what we would do. Uh, but to get this, to get this venture off the ground, what we were thinking of doing is partnering with another, another brewery and doing what's called co-brewing, which is you work with that brewer under their license. You mm. still have everything branded under your name, but you work Under their license and run their equipment, and you can sell that way. And so that's something that we were looking at doing initially. But uh, yeah, to answer your question, Rudy, it it is possible. Uh, We were looking into potentially doing something like that, Uh, but probably without the uh, probably without the restaurant, to be honest.
1: That's a pretty good deal and maybe a great way to get started sooner rather than later. But I guess then we'll have to just book coach buses up to the Illinois area to, <laughs> to be able to taste this good stuff. Praise be to God. Um, we're coming up we're against a hard break here, you know, and I'm fascinated with the idea of tradition, uh, Tridentine, obviously, the traditional Latin mass uh, the, on the love of uh, the, the tradition and patrimony of, of the church. Praise be to God. But uh, after the break, I want to ask about the history of brewing and why there is a catholic uh, history lesson in all of this and i find that very very fascinating in a world that seems to be struggling to maybe a day late and a dollar short preserve its traditions seems to be a war with tradition on planet earth today these days so we're talking with trevor about that coming up right after this very quick break don't go anywhere
5: we'll be right back
0: This is Jesuit Father Robert McTague, host of The Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. We look at current events through the eyes of faith. I hope you'll join us each Monday and Friday for guests and topics you can't afford to miss. That's The Catholic Current, heard Monday and Friday right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern.
4: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Who are the ten most well-known preachers in America? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Here's the list. Copeland, Osteen, Benny Hinn, Joyce Myers, T.D. Jakes, Stephen Furtick, Andy Stanley, Robert Jeffers, Rick Warren, Alistair Begg, John MacArthur. Well, secondly, all these pastors say the same thing on Sunday morning, which is, turn with me in your Bible. Well, then how's the harmony regarding, say, eternal security, disagreement, present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit, Disagreement. Relationship of baptism to salvation. Disagreement. Church government. Disagreement. Life beginning at conception until natural death. Disagreement. and eschatology. Disagreement. So what's going on here? Well, if you're someone who says, all I need is the word of God, brother, because the Bible is going to give me everything I need to live out the Jesus life, okay, hope you've already ditched your favorite blogger, your favorite preacher, your favorite podcaster, and most of all, your religious Google searches. Well, speaking of Google searches, I do request one last Google search for you, Magisterium
1: praise be to jesus christ be to jesus catholic drive time keeping you informed and inspired i'm your host joe McLean. so good to be on with you praise be to god trevor alcorn is our guest tridentine brewing or TridentineBrewing.com is the website you can check it out a very very beautiful and its artwork and its uh, presentation um i have to just take your word for it, trevor on how good it tastes though <laughs> um, so having not had any samples to go by. Uh, I want to get into the history of brewing, the tradition of brewing, especially from a Catholic perspective. Um, I find it very fascinating because, as I said before the break, it's, I really see the world struggling with with its traditions. I mean, in the Church, we know that the Pope has issued Traditionis Gustotus, and there's been a big conflict there within the Church. But I think in the greater world, too, Uh, I think this is part of the reason why the Dutch farmers are protesting and the Canadians and and, and over the weekend, Kenya, Sri Lanka, Argentina, China even, I mean, so many. So what is it with the history of uh, of beer brewing from a Catholic perspective?
7: Yes, I mean, beer beer brewing from a Catholic perspective really goes back to the Foundation of the world. I guess we could even say back to the back to the Old Testament, where beer was even offered uh, in in the temple as an offering to to our Lord. Uh, so it goes back that far. But really, from let's just say uh, a Catholic Catholic perspective, it goes really back to the tradition of the uh, monks, starting as early. I mean, we have documented evidence starting as early as 700 A.D. that the monks were brewing beer. We know that they were brewing beer prior to that uh but really the monks were the the great catalyst behind catholic brewing and beer as you know it today so beer in the ancient world from the Egyptian times was something more like uh, a slurry that you would drink through a straw, actually like a milkshake. <laughs> so monks actually were the driving force behind refining beer. And you, what you know today is beer is all because of the Catholic church and because of monks. Yeah. And so monks totally refined that process. And uh, o- over the years created many of the styles that we know today for beer. Uh, and so Beer, especially the craft beer, uh, I guess counter-revolution you could say that's happened, especially in, in the United States, where it went from maybe a very bland type of uh, pilsner beer that was on the market it seemed like from prohibition up until the 1990s to this explosion of different types of beer, and really that's just reclaiming mm-hmm. what what you are. Know, I guess you could say patrimony of sorts with, with beer and really what was passed down to us. Uh, because beer is, uh, let's just say very similar in many ways, you know, liturgically in, in the Catholic Church where we have, uh, you know, a cycle of things, um, and a rich history. It's very, very similar with beer. There's always a, there's a cycle for the types of beers that are traditional for the time of year. Uh, there's many different styles that have roots that go back Hundreds and hundreds of years uh, so really it's a it's a great tradition uh it, well and Brewing is great to get into because you really have this connection with the past uh and with our Catholic faith
1: you know I'll never forget learning that uh, uh my confirmation Saint Saint Padre Pio loved beer you know and I, I when the first time I heard that I'm like really like that seems weird to me, but i didn't at the time know way back then I did not know about the history of brewing, especially when it comes to to monks. Uh, but, yeah, he loved beer. He would he loved to hang out with the guys and drink a beer and, uh, and have good conversation during rec time. And who knew? Praise be to God. And I find it very fascinating because so many cultures have their traditions. I lived in Germany for a while as a kid. And, uh, of course, the German culture around beer is huge. I mean, every fall they have a big beer festival, and people come from all over the world to enjoy that. Um, <clears throat> why... I mean, like it seems like again. I, I go back to my premise about I think the world is struggling with its traditions, and it seems to have lost most of these traditions or abandoned them. Why should we? Why should we celebrate the history of and tradition from a Catholic perspective
7: on beer brewing? Well, I, I'd say that we should celebrate that tradition because, well, first of all, it, it is our our tradition. I would say that the. The Catholic Church celebrates tradition with a capital T in, in many things, you know, her liturgy, her faith, you know, what's been handed down to us. So that also makes sense uh, in regards to other things that are not purely of, of the faith, but really have been something that the Church itself, like, I mean, so many things, whether it's education or health care, beer even that you might not initially think of you know, has passed something down to us and has given us something. Uh, and so it is it is worth preserving. And especially once, once one tries to get into these different types of beers, one can really appreciate all the, the various styles and the traditions associated with with the stories even. Uh, so it's absolutely worth, worth preserving. Um, and I would say the last, uh, very, very similar to some things that have happened in the church, the last, uh, you know, let's just say 20th century, I think we saw very similar things happen, uh, with beer. So it's great to see that revival, uh, where we're bringing back those, uh, traditions. It's got, got some great parallels.
3: Absolutely. You know, it kind of, whenever we, I think about drinking, I just remember the story of St. Augustine and St. Dominic. And you know, St. Dominic, he was uh, such a, he wanted to do so much penance that he would not drink anything but water. And water, that was unheard of because, you know, water was not very good for you back then. It was, uh, often make you sick. And so he was forced to have a little bit of wine. And so he would mix the wine with the water to make the wine taste gross. And he uh but then Saint Augustine, this a similar situation, he was a Manichaean and Manichaeans hated all good things and so they hated the material world. So when he converted to Catholicism, people were very skeptical of Saint Augustine and were saying, Oh, this guy, he's anti alcohol, is not not Catholic. And to prove that he was not a heretic and did not believe that alcohol was evil he would make sure at least once a year to have some alcohol in front of all of the his congregation. So in front of the people, he'd make sure to have at least once a year publicly consume alcohol. And, and I think that's very important for us to know. Like. As a Catholic, you can abstain from alcohol. That's no problem whatsoever. If you have, for whatever reason, desire not to drink, then there's no problem there. But the problem becomes whenever you have an idea, this puritanical idea that alcohol is evil per se. What are your thoughts on that?
7: I mean, certainly, I, I, 100% agree with you, Adrian, that, you know, first of all, you know, abstinence from alcohol, whether, you know, in total, you know, for what, you know, if it's a penance or maybe that's a been a past struggle in your life, uh, that you want to give it up. I think that's great. It's even great periodically to fast, you know, certainly, for example, during Lent or other, other times of the year. Uh, so there's a great Catholic tradition in, in abstaining as well. Uh, but certainly I think, uh, you know, from from the Old Testament to our Lord's first miracle at the wedding feast of Cana, you know, all throughout you know, monastic history, there's a great you know, Catholic tradition of of brewing and and drinking alcohol in moderation, and you know, to use it to build friendships and to you know, strengthen those uh, as well. So I, I think that yeah, you're absolutely right. There there is alcohol, it needs to be in its proper place. Uh it's not something obviously we should abuse. But of course, you know, taking a break every now and then at the very least is a good thing as well.
2: Uh you know, Trevor, I I'm I'm thinking during this conversation, you know, the church really does have the best things. It really produces the best things and beer is is one of those those great things. I'm wondering you know, in the history of brewing, you, you probably went through all kinds of different uh, aspects of, of of brewing, from stories to recipes and all this sort of things. What would you say is the most interesting story that you've come around, uh, the, uh, encountered uh, when it comes to brewing from a Catholic perspective? Um, yes. So, uh, at least... Well, well, I'll
7: I'll give you uh, one story, uh, which is there was monks. I believe that this is in the is in the 1500s. And my apologies for not having the exact name of the pope, but I do know that the <laughs> pope had uh, heard how great these uh, German monks, actually they're uh, Franciscans in Germany, how how uh, good their beer was. So he actually asked them to. Uh, to send them to send him a, some beer because he wanted to try it. So they sent him a barrel of beer, and of course back then, because this is you know 500 years ago, they had to transport it over the Alps. And by the time it got to the Pope, it had all it had spoiled. And the Pope tried it, and uh, he thought it was horrible. So he thought, <laughs> oh, th- this is horrible. Go ahead, have as much beer as you want from now on. It must be a penance, uh, you know. So have it all throughout Lent if you'd like even because this is so horrible, (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking, you know, when you're when you're
1: young and you drink beer, you drink cheap beer, right? Because that's all you can afford, you know. Uh, But uh, there's no excuse for adult males to be drinking light beer, Keystone or some something like that, right? Light, you know. (laughs) (laughs) We gotta have some good stuff here. So, uh, in the last couple of minutes before we have to say goodbye, what like what is what is your favorite beer, and what what is your least favorite beer?
7: Ooh, um, yeah, Joe. So uh, my my most favorite beer would have to be one that we brewed, uh, which is called Diasira Imperial Stout. And so, yeah, I, I'm partial to stouts and porters. It has a, like a very rich, robust taste, can quite often have chocolate, coffee flavors Ooh. to it. Yes, uh, very malty. Yeah, there we go. You can see that on on the screen for those that are watching. That's our beer right there. So that's actually my favorite. It's one several several homebrewing awards and we've uh, entered it throughout the the country uh probably my least my least favorite beer uh, th- there are several beers that are i'd say overly hoppy so there are uh some extreme ipas extreme <laughs> <hoppy>. <laughs> adrian doesn't like the ipas but i i, <laughs> I like totally some biased, ipas in, in moderation yeah. Um, so yeah that you know if we had like a there, there are some like triple IPAs. I mean, th- it gets extreme. I think IPAs <laughs> in their proper place are good. Uh, they're quite often overused, uh, it, certainly with many craft breweries now. Uh, but that's probably my least favorite. Would be an extreme version of an IPA.
1: <laughs> and the, and the reason why they have so much hops in them was for they had a practical reason, right?
7: They did have a practical reason. Uh, so it was invented really in the 18th century by the British, uh, to ship down to their uh, colony in India, thus the name uh, India Pale Ale. So ah. the British loaded up the beer with hops. Hops acts as a preservative, mm-hmm. and so that's why there was this overwhelming hop taste to it because they just needed the beer for practical reasons to be able to not spoil on the long uh, journey to India. On oh, a yeah. boat
1: ride. Makes sense. Yes. Makes sense. Poor Adrian. He's got a war against IPAs for some odd reason. uh, um, All right. Well, praise be to God. We're down to it now. TridentineBrewing.com. T R I D E N T I N E. TridentineBrewing.com. Thank you for your time today, Trevor. It was so good to talk to you. We enjoyed our conversation with you. God bless you. God love you. Have a great day, sir. All right. that is going to do it for hour number one. Uh, great conversation with Trevor and, of course, uh, Kean Baxtey about those uh, protests all across the world. If you can join us in the second hour, we'd love to have you. Not only do we have a very special Fear and Trembling Prize Pack to give away, but also Mark out from the Kingsmen will be our guest coming up in just a few minutes. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. God bless you and God bless you.
4: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Who are the ten most well-known preachers in America? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Here's the list. Copeland, Osteen, Benny Hinn, Joyce Myers, T.D. Jakes, Stephen Furtick, Andy Stanley, Robert Jeffers, Rick Warren, Alistair Begg, John MacArthur. Well, secondly, all these pastors say the same thing on Sunday morning, which is, turn with me in your Bible. Well, then how's the harmony regarding, say, eternal security, disagreement, present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit, Disagreement Relationship of baptism to salvation Disagreement Church government Disagreement Life beginning at conception until natural death Disagreement And eschatology Disagreement So what's going on here? Well, if you are someone who says All I need is the word of God, brother Because the Bible is going to give me everything I need to live out the Jesus life Okay, hope you've already ditched your favorite blogger Your favorite preacher Your favorite podcaster And most of all, your religious Google searches Well, speaking of Google searches I do request one last Google search for you Magisterium
8: this is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Over the past year, many dioceses have given Catholics a dispensation from attending Mass because of the pandemic. This has led to a certain amount of confusion regarding the importance of the Lord's Day. The Catechism tells us the institution of the Lord's Day helps everyone enjoy rest and leisure
0: to cultivate their familial, cultural, social, and religious lives.
4: So celebrating Sunday isn't really a time for us to go to Mass, though that is the most important thing you can do that day. But the Church tells us to also invest in our familial life. Spend time with your kids, play games, watch a family movie, or take a day trip. Develop your cultural life by visiting a museum or attending a festival or going hiking together. Cultivate your social life by having other families over, spending time in service of others. Let's use the Lord's Day to be refreshed and renewed as a family through prayer and cultivating true leisure.
9: For more
8: ideas on developing your family culture, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org.
1: Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your
2: inbox. Hi, I'm Emily Garcia from St. Rose of Lima Catholic Community. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
1: be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Uh, We just wrapped up a great conversation with Trevor Alcorn from TridentineBrewing.com. Boy, I can't wait. I hope and pray that they'll actually get that up to the point where they can ship it to people around the country. Uh, It seems like
2: a pretty difficult task to get to that point. But... I don't know, you think it's a mortal sin, you know, like you go to the u p s and uh you mm-hmm. drop a package off and you're like, just make sure here's the disclaimer. there's no liquids in here, right? No liquids. you think it's a sin if you if you lie yes. oh, no, there's no liquid in yes there. it's yes. just I'm, something unfortunately,
1: something yes, dang Ooh. it, unfortunately, yes, maybe we just start you know uh running trucks up and down from Illinois. that would be good, you know, just randomly run a truck up there with up, like the migrant I, I know caravans. A guy who has, like, a Ram pick-em-up truck. pick uh, up truck. Yeah, it's a, and it's bigger than my first apartment, his truck. <laughs> so he could probably fit a lot of samples or just, you know. For science. Yeah, beer that his buddy Trevor gave him and fill that back of that truck up and bring it back. You know, I I know a guy. What do
2: you think, you know, they say, well, it's too early to drink. Like, what if you're just having early five drink. ounces
10: and moderation? Too early. Like, ah, too early. One
1: just should just not breakfast. drink this early. Really? really? Yeah, of course not. Really? Absolutely not. Maybe Mm-mm. I'm just an alcoholic. speaking of what Adrian's here again. Okay. Good morning to you, Adrian. Again, I never left. Um, I, I sleep well, here. I that's sleep right, whether you're right underneath your.
3: Actually here. present or not? I right mean, right underneath Fall, that console. Falls that's asleep, that's a, asleep on it's the like, mic. Right. I have my sleeping <laughs> bag right underneath this console.
1: Oh, fuck. that reminds me. Without naming names, I did catch a guy sleeping in the bathroom yesterday during Holy Mass. <laughs> no way. <laughs> way. Wow. Snoring and all. No. Yes. Solid. Did you wake him up? <laughs> I was
3: just trying to get back to math. sir. Excuse sir. I was going to
2: use that. Yeah. If you could hurry it up in there, please. He's like, or, dude, yeah. you have no idea yeah. what kind of night I just yeah. had. Yeah, exactly. It's like, look, <laughs> sir, sir, <laughs> sir. I would. I,
3: I need to use restroom mm. too. I mean, take a nap. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you're you're using up our nap space.
1: Hey, uh, by the way, if you missed our conversation with Trevor or with Kean Bexty about the protests all across the world, do me a favor. Check out our podcast feed. You can find that linked up on our website at com forward slash CDT. There was a story out of Philadelphia that was so disturbing, but I, I hate to say this. It was just one of many, 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 many stories these days of random acts of violence for no reason other than, well, I guess it's just, you know. That time of day, and uh, this gentleman was attacked by teenagers with a traffic cone, and he later died of his wounds. His family is in great mourning. This happened in Philadelphia, and it just it's heartbreaking, and I wanted to uh, talk to somebody from the Philly area, so I reached out to my friend Mark Hauk from the Men Apostolate, and by the way, a co-host of A Life Live Joyfully, which you can hear Monday through Friday right across the Guadalupe Radio Network. He covers Tuesday. Good morning to you, Mark Hauk.
10: Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Drive time. It's good to have you on again. It's good to see you again. You're looking good. Praise be to God. <laughs> well, thanks be to God. We are in the city of brotherly love. <laughs> yeah, you can tell. You can just tell. I mean, uh, Philadelphia
1: does seem to be having some big issues. Now, maybe it's just from the outside looking in that we're just all we see is the worst stuff in the headlines and it's not as bad as it seems i i, I grant that that could be the case but between the uh drug epidemic there the synthetic drug epidemic that we've been seeing zombie like uh people uh, addicted to uh the synthetic uh drugs coming across our southern border but also the random acts of violence new york has plagued with it in the bronx and and all of the boroughs but philadelphia seems to be also
10: having issues what's going on mark Howe? well uh, this is as old as the sin of C- cain and abel right uh... this is not anything new for our city uh... when i reflected on this I-, I said to myself these are teenagers right these are teenagers who are running the streets at three a m i used to work in juvenile justice joe you might remember that for about four plus years and about ninety percent of all crime among juveniles, even adults, is linked to fatherlessness. Mm. So we're talking about why you know, these these young people on the streets at those hours, um Showing great disrespect to a, a man of the same color as them this isn 't a black on white crime or anything like that. Uh, just running doing bad things and and this is the bad lands right this is the bad lands where bad people do bad things and so uh, this is related to uh, to a lack of uh, a father in in these young men 's lives i 'm sorry that's that 's kind of what it really comes down to
1: and, you know it 's interesting because I was remembering. It was, uh, I think you need to mute your Zoom there, Mark. Uh, but I was remembering Dr. Dobson's uh, Raising Boys. He had a program back in the early 2000s on raising boys to become men. And my wife and I went through that program. And, and I remember him talking about a study done on elephants and how they took juvenile male elephants away from their herd, away from uh, adult male elephants. And these juvenile male elephants were running amok. They were going and doing crazy things and violent things. And then when they introduced a bull back into the mix, they calmed down. They went back to order. And I found that super fascinating because it's true. We see fatherlessness off uh, off the charts, and we're seeing crime, violent crime. And it boggles the mind how... how even roving teenagers, which was the case in in uh, the the situation in Philadelphia with these, with this gentleman who was in his 70s who was murdered by these roving teenagers. Like, what makes them want to do such evil things? But I I ask the bigger question mark: Are we headed for Gotham City? It feels like society is headed towards greater lawlessness. I, I'm the half glass full guy. I need you to be the half uh, glass or the half. I'm the half empty, you're the half full. That's what I need.
10: Uh, I'm the guy that has, we say we got the wrong glass. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's it's scary. Uh, every day, you know, we're, we're seeing this. And um, I, I don't know about Gotham City. I mean, we know the gates of hell will not prevail against us, but here we are. And, you know, we fight the good fight and we continue to encourage and build up, and you know I, I have to I have to be the glass half full you, you know we do more good than we do bad, not just in the city of Philadelphia, but I was thinking about uh, in in Houston when you guys had the hurricane, and you you said the great um, not the hurricane, but the big one that where they had the flood. Uh, you said this is humans helping humans. Yeah, we that's see that every day in the city of Philadelphia. We see, you know, there's good people there. Uh, unfortunately, this is what gets the media attention. You know, so there's good people in the city of Philadelphia. We're in there fighting for babies' lives for at the abortion facilities, and and there's good people who are helping people just randomly. So, you know, I, I don't know. This is we we could curse the darkness, right, or we could you know bless the uh the the day by by doing one good act of kindness, you know random act of kindness. Well,
1: okay. So that's good. I'm glad it's not as bad as it seems. So how do we turn things around? How do we actually make a dent in the life of these young people who seem fa- have to have fatherle- fatherlessness I- uh in their life and therefore are running out of control? How do we change that? And I mean not just from a philosophical perspective, but actually transform their communities
10: so that this type of behavior is really um, stunted? Yeah, you know, interesting question, and and of course that's a, a large question. Uh, I'll share with you what Camden, New Jersey did, which is right across the bridge from uh, Philadelphia. And this is maybe a way that, that could be done, but it does take one brave person. Uh, in this case, it was a, a juvenile justice judge uh, who was on the bench, no longer but he decided that, for every young person who came before him that um, he felt had the potential uh, to put plug him into the king 's men Apostolate, believe it or not, he would mandate from his from his bench nice. that uh, in order for the kids to come off juvenile probation, mm-hmm. they were going to have to link arms with the king 's men and come to our retreats. And we brought multiple kids from the Camden area right off the streets. And Camden was the number one murder capital of the United States for a while. Uh, And and this took one brave man, one brave judge, who said, you know what, even though this is a faith-based organization, not that it made a difference, I see value in what they're doing. So I think we need to plug these kids in, Uh, You know, PAL, Police Athletic League was started for that reason, to get these kids off the streets. This has been going on for a long time, and we just need more people to invite these young people or, uh, you know, a Caring uncle or something like that, into an apprenticeship of father and sonship, uh, unfortunately, unless that happens, you know there 's going to be a continual breakdown of these kids running rogue on the road and um, in the streets at, at odd hours. This is the devil 's hour, right It was about three a m when, when this crime took place, so I mean these kids should be sleeping you know they, they, we need people to uh, step up and have that courage to invite them and a, and a judge in this case in Camden. Took, took it upon himself to do that. I think we need more people like that. You know,
1: speaking of middle of the night, when uh, during the 2020 riots when um, our church was being threatened by Antifa, a bunch of guys, I was just one of them, decided that we were going to stand guard over our parish, make sure that nothing happened in the middle of the night. And So I did a night shift, and I, I think it was like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Teenagers on, on bicycles, running up and down the streets, just doing whatever. And you're just sitting there going, what in the world is going on in their life that this is okay? Now, I snuck out as a kid. I mean, I did crazy things as a kid. So I get the kids are going to uh, have bad choices. But it seems like it's happening more and more and more. And I also wonder whether or not the church you know, has, has really made it a priority to transform society in this way. We we do a lot of talking, we do a lot of writing, but I'm not sure it's completely committed to that cause. What say you, Mark Hauk?
10: The church, the church is the largest charitable organization in the world. And you know, when I'm at the uh, abortion mills and stuff, people say, "Why don't you go fight poverty?" And I say, "Well, I'm here today. I'm I'm trying to save babies. You know, I mean, I can't fight every battle." Yeah, the church is large enough, and we have. You know, one billion Catholics, right? One and a half billion Catholics. So uh, we should be able to do something. I, I think directing our uh, energies in this way would be good. But I, I can't put it all on the church. We are the church, right? I mean, we, the people. Um, you know, we are, we are the ones that are the hands and feet of Christ. And so it just comes down to good people like you and me and your co-hosts and everyone that they're willing to step in. And and stand in the gap. I mean this is why the King's Men exist, right? This is we're raising up men to stand in the gap. Stand in the gap of community violence, stand in the gap of the spread of the multi billion dollar, trillion dollar pornography industry, stand in the gap of the abortion industry, you know, defend traditional marriage. I mean, these are some of the fights that we fight, yet, you know, there's so many fights and battles out there that are noble, that people, good people and men of goodwill. This is why we say men, leader, protector, provider. What are you trying to protect? The common good, you know, is so important. So many men don't see this as their job, and so um, it's because they're not educated, because they don't know their roles, because they're hedonistic, they're seeking self and pleasure for its own good, uh, they're not seeing the greater good in helping the community. They did many years ago, you know, many men, uh, I would say the turn of the century, they got this. They got this. Uh, Even in the 1950s, there was a sense of community and family values. But that's all been eroded, Joe, in the last 50 years, and through our generation. In fact, it's your and my generation that's caused all this. I think,
2: mm. Mark. In the last few minutes of the conversation, I just want to get your take. You know, you've been with the Kingsmen for a long time, and you've seen all kinds of different men come into the organization. And I'm just wondering, you know, what what is, what, in your opinion, is is most lacking in men today? What do you think men should be aware of to, to be able to raise good Catholic families?
10: Rudy um, In the last couple of minutes that 's a, that's a bomb question we got about, we got about a <laughs> but minute. it 's a, a great one, and you know when I work with men it, it comes to I hate to say it, it sounds cliche, but it 's the father wound when it comes mm-hmm. to men in general, the majority of the men that come to our apostolate and come to us for help and come to our weekly meetings around the country they 're dealing with the father wound, so this goes to the core. Uh, I mean, Adam ha- had, a- had a father wound, if you will, you know, he, he rebelled against Daddy, you know. Uh, Satan had a father wound, you know, so it's, it's this father wound that, um, you know, we- that we're trying to-, to put a salve on to help these men. And so, I don't know, uh, in the shortness of time that we have, that that's really where we need to go. Maybe we need to do a whole program on that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think so.
2: All right, uh,
1: the Kingsmen <laughs> Apostle, check them out on, on their website at thekingsmen.org. TheKingsMen.org. And also, guess what? There's a great Into the Wild retreat coming up for fathers, for sons, for brothers in September in Arizona. I'm going to be there. Mark's going to be there. It's going to be great. I encourage you to check it out, Into the Wild. But uh, go to the website, TheKingsMen.org. Mark How God bless you. God love you, brother. Thanks for being on. Hey, after this quick break, we're going to play Fear and Trembling. And
0: you can win a very cool prize this week. It's coming up. This is Dale
6: Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say that Catholic theology is too dogmatic, that the faith should be freer, more liberal? Well, G.K. Chesterton says there will be no end to the weary debates about liberalizing theology until people face the fact that the only liberal part of it is really the dogmatic part. Their problem, he says, is not that there's not enough freedom in the dogma, but rather too much. The dogma gives man too much freedom when it permits him to actually be responsible for his sins. The dogma gives God too much freedom when it permits him to suffer and die. The dogma gives the church too much freedom when it gives it authority. It's not the doctrines that limit us. It is the denial of them. It's only the truth that makes us free. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org
4: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. How much havoc would be caused at your church if your pastor brought a big statue of St. Peter or St. Paul and placed them in the sanctuary? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history's on the side of the Catholic Church. Christian art in many forms dates way back to about 120 A.D. And so do those various Christian symbols which we still see today. You know, a dove, a fish, a lamb. Why are those okay? Secondly, the Bible, Exodus, Numbers, and Ezekiel— All these books show God telling Moses, David, or Ezekiel to carve out images of angels that were used in worship. And and thirdly, a tough comeback, especially for my guy friends. Does Cooperstown, Canton, or Cleveland mean anything to you? Yep, the Hall of Fame locations filled with statues, jerseys, bats, and balls. Memorabilia is a $37 billion industry, but you say, don't bring a statue into my church. Well, how many of you guys have admired one of those bronze statues of an athlete? I'd rather stare at St. Peter's, Paul, and Mary in my church, and I'm not talking about the old folk band.
5: Welcome to another round of Fear Ah! and Trembling, (laughs) the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation
7: by the seat of your
5: pants it's a 50 50 chance and prizes are involved avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth call now to take your shot 877-757-9424 and now your host
1: joe mcclain praise be to jesus christ welcome back to catholic drive time and fear and trembling catholic trivia game show where prizes are at stake we've got a cool one this week So if you would like your chance to win, what you need to do is call right now. Be our first caller to be our contestant to possibly win this week's prize pack at 877-757-9424. Call now. The phone lines are open at 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Call now, Adrian Fonseca, standing by to take your call at 877-757-9424. All right, so here is the deal. There are secrets. There are agendas we uh, we have here. Kind of like 2030, Agenda 2030, that comes out of World Economic Forum and the UN. It's a lot like that, our agendas here in the game show. Just, we don't care about carbon or (laughs) nitrogen. Yeah, that's... That's not a part of the agenda. <laughs> the other part of the agenda that, that's, though, that you're not know. allowed to tell anybody is we do like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something about your Catholic faith that you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time. And uh, our callers are actually amazing. We enjoy that most of all. And, of course, we give out prizes, which means it's a winner for everybody involved. If you're new here, I shall explain. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. But we do not ask a caller, uh, especially when they call 877-757-9424. Call right now. 877-757-9424. I will not be asking you these questions, so you don't need to know the answers. I will instead ask Rudy and Adrian. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then the caller will then have, they can choose, and the right one will go into the coffee cup of divine providence. So it's very easy. It's a lot of fun. But you do need to call right now, 877-757-9424. Phone lines are open. If you've never played It's Fun, call now, 877-757-9424. If it's been a while, you're welcome to call back at 877-757-9424.
2: That's 877-757-9424. Rudy, what could they win? All right. This week we got a really special prize, as I mentioned at the start of the show. It is—I uh, can't get a drum roll, but uh, let me tell you—a generous sponsor.
1: Is that the same thing? Can I? Oh man! Can you hear that? Woof! That's like that's pro out of tune. That's pro level right
2: there. <laughs> I took drumline when I was in middle school. Did you? That was pretty good. Really? Well, anyway. A generous sponsor has given us a beautiful, hardbound, pictorial lives of the saints. And if you're watching this wow. on a stream, I'm going to show it to you right now. Beautiful, hardbound book. It's a reproduction of the legendary 1887 version, originally compiled and illustrated by the Benziger brothers. If you don't know who they are, look them up. Benziger, Brugge, Benziger brothers. Benziger easy for you to say. <laughs> it's a mouthful. And the winner is going to receive this copy, and they're going to be inspired by the heroic virtue of the saints. Okay. Praise be to God. The Benziger Brothers. Benziger Brothers. Benziger Brothers. Oh, yeah. The Benziger
1: Brothers. That's See, right. I just said it three times fast. Benziger Brothers. <laughs> that's a pretty cool thing. Uh, it's a great gift. We're very excited to give that away this week. So thank you very much to our generous sponsor for giving us such a wonderful prize to give away. So that's coming up on Friday. So you'll have chances all week long to possibly win, but you do have to get in early. And here's the kicker. If you want to get in early, one way you can do that is just by going to our website at GRNOnline.com forward slash CDT and look for the Fear and Trembling link, all the rules, regulations, as well as the phone numbers listed there. So there you go. Praise be to God. Let's go to the phones. Donna, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God. Good morning, Donna. Where are you calling from?
9: Lindsay, Texas.
1: Hey, now. Very hey. nice. Praise be to Have God. You we had a caller the, from there, Joe? No, the great so, metropolis right? of Texas.
9: Absolutely.
1: Where where do you go to church, Donna?
9: I go to church at St. Peter's in Lindsay and at Sacred Heart in Munster.
1: Wow, you've got options. That's a lot. I do. Praise be to God. That's lovely. And, Donna, I, I assume you are well aware of the rules of how this game works? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, who do you think is trickiest? I'm just curious Rudy or Adrian?
11: Uh, I think Rudy is the trickiest. What? <laughs> I think so. From your lips to
1: God's ears. Hang up on the floor, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just so you know, he is, in fact, wearing a tie today. So uh, make of that what you will. Mm. But we will begin with Rudy, as is our custom, our tradition, well. our patrimony here. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Joe. Team Rudy in the house. Tricky, tricky team. Looking team all Chipper on a Monday. Oh, yeah. Uh, are you ready, sir? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm Praise ready. Praise be to God, are you sure? Uh, I think so, yeah. All right, here mm-hmm. we go. Uh, let's start with a super easy one. Can you tell me what is the ninth commandment of God, please?
2: Oh, man, King David, he didn't, uh, he's he guilty of uh, transgressing this one. It's, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Yeah, you'd think he would have known that. King David, man. Yeah. What a, what, what a buffoon move right <laughs> what, there.
1: Really? I mean, he did have to write his own law, his own version of Deuteronomy. Yeah. uh, But still, nonetheless, all right, so you're saying thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife is the ninth commandment of God. That's right. That's your answer. Mm -hmm. All right. Adrian, you are an expert on the commandments of God. It's true. I got my PhD in the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandmentology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got it. Mm -hmm. Ten is in the middle. Can you tell me what the ninth one was, please?
3: Yes, the ninth commandment. This is like my favorite commandment. Is it? It is, thou shalt eat more
1: chocolate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, no, under normal circumstances, I would say this is a a good thing. This yeah. is Because we're vegetarian minded, we like veg vegetables. Right. Exactly. And chocolate. And, is and the trust greatest me, of I I, have a, I identify as a PhD in Ten Commandmentology. I got it. So. Okay. Well, Donnie, you got choices. Obviously, okay. a- Adrian is thinking this is you know we're God wants us to have the greatest vegetable on the earth, which is chocolate. Yes. Uh, great yes. Supply and abundance, because, you know, he, he overwhelms us with grace and goodness. But uh, Rudy, is, on the other hand, is going a little bit more darker today. He's saying, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Donna, what say
2: you?
11: I think it's tricky Rudy this morning. Tricky
2: Rudy. Tricky Rudy. So, so wise. You <laughs> can't trick Donna. You <laughs> can't <laughs> trick Donna.
1: Yeah, I don't know how you got that one right. It's <laughs> so
2: I tricky. Either.
9: I like it. I like the other one better, but yeah. okay. <laughs> me too.
1: Let's yeah, I, I wish that was the commandment. <laughs> I do too. All right, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. The ninth commandment of God. Well done, play. Praise be to God. Let's time to play the second question. We're going to go to Adrian for this one. Uh oh. Adrian, unfortunately, since you are a 10 commandmentology PhD, you probably have no information or understanding of church history. No, actually, I,
3: I just decided right now that I identify as a church historian. I see. Mm-hmm. I, so it can change. Yeah, at will. Whenever okay. I At will, okay.
1: okay. Uh-huh. I have just identified it. Well, then, one. can you name for me the corrupt emperor of Rome whose name appears in the book of Acts, please? Ah, oh, the book of Acts? Yes. Yes, I've read the Bible. Have as you? A, as a good Catholic. Ah, oh, uh-huh. okay. Yes, awesome. Awesome. 100%. Of
3: course, 100%. And the, the emperor's name, The please. emperor's name is Emperor Caesar.
1: Caesar? Mm-hmm.
3: Huh. Et that's in the Bible. It? Little Caesar? Mm-hmm. Okay. No, no, that's... that's Big
1: Caesar. Uh, Caesar, Caesar? Yeah. Big like Caesar Caesar? Like the two pizzas in one? Like Caesar salad? Oh, not as good, but okay. Uh, Rudy, can you tell me, uh, name for me, the corrupt emperor of Rome, whose name appears in the book of Acts,
2: please? This emperor had everything hot and ready for the <laughs> the followers of our blessed Lord. That was Nero. <laughs>
11: <laughs> well played, well played. Uh,
1: All right, Donna, is uh, is it Nero, as Rudy seems to suggest, or is it uh, Caesar, as Adrian is thinking? Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Donna, what well, say you? I-
9: I haven't had
2: breakfast
11: yet and it's pizza
9: stuff and chocolate. It's <laughs> like dry. Yes. But I'll go
2: with Rudy again. <laughs> you oh, there you go. Duh. So wise. Duh. So so hot and ready. I like Duh. that. Donna, what a wonderful name. We
1: c- we could get chocolate on pizza. That's a topping Yikes! Uh-oh. right? That does like, not sound good. That's yeah. With pineapple.
6: Ooh,
4: thoughts on dessert pizzas? Yikes. Yes. yes. Cringe. <laughs>
1: I like it. All right, Donna, you're in for two. You're doing very, very well. This next one could be the hardest of all three Yeah, this actually might be
3: the hardest question we've ever had in the history of the show. I may agree with Adrian for the first time. I
1: may agree with him. Alright, here we go. We're going to go back to Rudy first. Tricky Rudy, can you tell me what (laughs) is the name for the ball of metal filled with hot water and used by the priest to
2: warm his hands? I have never personally seen this. I don't think anybody's personally seen this, but it's it's known as a palantir. A palantir. Palantir. A palantir. Yes. Okay. Like, plantir fasciitis, or uh, that's a different no. thing.
1: That's a different thing. Okay. No, I don't think so. Adrian, can you tell me what is the name of the ball of metal filled with hot water mm-hmm. and used by the priest to warm his hands? Ah, yes.
3: Well, just like Rudy, I don't Mm -hmm. think anybody's ever seen this before. Okay. It's uh, pretty much out of use. At least in the South, it's too hot. Yeah. But it's called a poem. A poem. Like
1: the poem in an apple, the seed.
10: a poem.
1: Okay. Well, Donna, here we go. I did warn you that it was the trickiest question today. Is this metal object a poem, as Adrian says, or a planter? As Rudy seems to think, 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Donna, what say you?
9: You're right. I have never seen or heard of this, so I'm just going to give Adrian a chance.
2: Just because you got to, like you. do (laughs) was. What is the planter? (laughs) Lanter is the uh, weird crystal object from Lord of the Rings that uh, somehow (laughs) uh, the uh, Sauron can look through. Like a crystal ball. That's basically what it is. If you've
3: ever seen a poem in your life, please let me know. I'm very (laughs) curious to know if it exists somewhere (laughs) where it's cold.
1: Poem is the actual answer to this, a metal ball filled with hot water. Congratulations! (laughs) Donna, you did great. Perfect score. Well played. Thanks for laughing with us today.
0: Thank you. Okay. God bless God you. Have a, good day. Have a great then. day.
1: We're going to put you on hold, Donna. And that is going to do it for the radio side. We have survived it by the grace of God, and we're going to conversate with you directly in the after show. So be sure to hang out with us on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Tomorrow, uh, we'll have more interesting conversation for you headed on Catholic Drive Time. We'll
0: be right back. Thank you for joining us on your Catholic Drive Time The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
8: Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the Memorial of St. Benedict. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, till all the world adore his sacred name. Come, brethren, follow where our captain trod, our King victorious, Christ the Son of God. Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, till all the world adore His sacred name.
12: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, to the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. And with with your your spirit. spirit. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to To Almighty God, God, and and to to
8: you, my my brothers and sisters, sisters, that I I have have greatly greatly sinned. sinned Lord have mercy.
12: Christ have mercy.
8: Christ have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
12: Lord have mercy.
8: Lord have mercy. Let us pray.
12: O God, who made the Abbot Saint Benedict an outstanding master in the school of divine service, grant, we pray, that putting nothing before love of you, we may hasten with a loving heart in the way of your commands. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever.
8: Amen.
9: A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Hear the word of the Lord, princes of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, people of Gomorrah. What care I for the number of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I have had enough of whole burnt rams and fat of fatlings. In the blood of calves, lambs and goats, I find no pleasure. When you come in to visit me, who asks these things of you? Trample my courts no more. Bring no more worthless offerings. Your incense is loathsome to me. New moon and Sabbath, eating of assembl- calling of assemblies, octaves with wickedness. These I cannot bear. Your new moons and festivals I detest. They weigh me down. I tire of the load. When you spread out your hands, I close my eyes to you. Though you pray the more, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves clean. Put away your misdeeds from before my eyes. Cease doing evil. Learn to do good. Make justice your aim. Redress the wrong. Hear the orphan's plea. Defend the widow. The word of the Lord.
8: Thanks be to God.
9: To the upright, I will show the saving power of God.
8: To the upright, I will show the saving power of God.
9: Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you, for your burnt offerings are before me always. I take from your house no bullock, no goats out of your fold.
8: To the upright, I will show the saving power of God.
9: Why do you recite my statutes and profess my covenant with your mouth? though you hate discipline and cast my words behind you
8: to the upright i will show the saving power of god
9: when you do these things shall i be deaf to it or do you think that do you think that i am like yourself i will correct you by drawing them up before your eyes he that offers praise as a sacrifice glorifies me and to him that shows goes the right way I will show the salvation of God.
8: To the upright, I will show the saving power of God. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness for theirs is a the kingdom of heaven Hallelujah 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 The
12: Lord be with you and with your spirit A reading from the holy gospel according to Matthew Glory, Glory to you O Lord Jesus said to his apostles Do not think that I have come to bring peace upon the earth. I have come to bring not peace, but the sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's enemies will be those of his household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross... follow after me, is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever receives a righteous man because he is righteous will receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever, receives, whoever gives only a cup of cold water to one of these little ones to drink because he is a disciple, amen, I say to you, he will surely not lose his reward. When Jesus finished giving these commands to his twelve disciples, he, sent, he went away from that place to teach and to preach in their towns. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord
8: Jesus Christ.
12: Today we celebrate this tremendous saint, Saint Benedict. He had an amazing influence on Western society. Because of him, Western society even uh, continued. Because by, the, by establishing the monasteries in Western Europe, he, kept, he was able to keep, keep all the learning and culture as things were sort of disintegrating around, uh, around them uh, in, all of, in all of Western Europe because of the barbarians and so on that were invading. Interesting enough, Benedict had a phrase which they would greet people, which is, Pax et Bonum, peace and good, or peace and goodwill. When we consider that and look at the gospel today, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace upon the earth. I have come to bring not peace but the sword.
9: How do we sort of reconcile
12: these two things? The fact that Jesus, the very first gift that he gives in his resurrection, is peace. He says to his, his, his apostles, his disciples, Peace be with you. And we, we pray for peace, and we ask for peace at every single Mass. We exchange peace. So why does Jesus say that I have come to bring not peace but the sword? And as we as his disciples, as followers, why are we to give peace? The, very fact, the fact that it comes down to that Jesus is the dividing factor in the world today. He says, you're either for me or you're against me. There's two ways of doing things, God's way or our way. And God's way is preferable. <laughs> but there's two ways. We either follow Christ and we are disciple of him, or we go a dif- uh, the other direction. And if we, if we are with Christ, then we will find great peace. Of course, peace is not simply just the absence of war and conflict. That it comes to a kind of consensus or agreement. And I remember somebody saying, it's a bit pessimistic, they said the only thing that ever came out of a committee was a compromise. <laughs> there may be something to do that. But the fact is that peace is something deeper and it's something greater. It first begins with in the very depths of our own soul and in our heart. This is where Isaiah comes very clear in that first reading. He says, put away your misdeeds from before my eyes. Or wash yourselves clean. Cease doing evil. Learn to do good. Make justice your aim. Redress the wrong. Hear the orphans plea. Defend the widow. They were obviously bringing their sacrifices to God, but with a pretty ho-hum heart. And Isaiah is saying, if you come, if you return to me with your whole heart, if you put away, if you clear your conscience of any wrongdoing and misdeeds, then you will certainly find peace. Saint Benedict, for his part, uh, you know, when he, he sort of began his journey uh, in the universities of Rome, and as he when, he when he was in Rome, and what they were teaching the university, he says, was basically kind of a debaucherous life, and so he went out of the city of Rome, out into the mountains near Subiaco. And he became a hermit for a time because he needed to find refine and re-anchor, refocus his life on Christ and where he could find peace. And for many years there, he lived as a hermit until in a little cave, until God had called him to go and establish uh, the Benedictines, this group of monks who would, uh, who would come together as a family around an abbot, a father, uh, who, would be, who would basically learn the ways of God anew and would learn to have that, to wash themselves clean, to put away their misdeeds, so that they could live their life completely for Christ. Sound familiar today? <laughs> About 70% of young people who go to university completely lose their faith. And Benedict realized that there was something wrong. So he went out and he refocused his, uh, his life on Christ. Because he realized, he think, that Christ would end up being the divisive factor. And it still is today. It is either we follow Jesus or we don't. And uh, there's there's no real middle ground. And so, my brothers and sisters, we pray and we beg for peace and that peace will come when our life is completely centered on Jesus and when we have that clear conscience. That's where true peace in ourselves comes. Peace in our body, peace in our mind, peace in our soul, peace in our relationship with God and with one another. Pax bone peace and goodwill to all. May we live in that peace, which is it to be anchored in Jesus. We have all gathered here, dear brothers and sisters, to celebrate the mysteries of our redemption. Let's therefore ask, Almighty God, that the whole world may be watered from these springs of all blessing and life. For all who have vowed themselves to God, that with his help they may faithfully keep to their resolve, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For peace among nations, that delivered from all turmoil, the peoples may serve God in freedom of heart, we pray to the Lord. Lord,
8: hear our prayer.
12: Let us pray for the elderly who suffer from isolation or sickness, that they may be strengthened by our love of them as our brothers and sisters. We pray to the Lord.
8: Lord, Lord, hear our prayer.
12: For ourselves gathered here, that as God does not cease to sustain us with the things of this life, we may know how to use them in such a way that we may hold even now to the things that endure forever. We pray to the Lord. Lord. Lord,
6: hear
8: our prayer.
12: With the peace and goodwill and intention of those who join us through Guadalupe Radio Media and those who join us online, those who are enrolled in our mass association, we pray to the Lord.
8: Lord, hear our prayer.
12: Finally, let us pray for those who have died, for all the holy souls in purgatory, they may rest in peace. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. May your mercy, we beseech you, O Lord, be with your people who cry to you so that what they seek at your prompting, they may obtain by your ready generosity through Christ our Lord.
8: Amen. O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. Under the shadow of thy throne, thy saints have dwelt secure. Sufficient is thine arm alone, and our defense is sure. Before the hills in order stood, or earth received her frame. From everlasting Thou art God, To endless years the same.
12: Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice of yours May be acceptable to God the Almighty Father.
8: May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name for our good and the good of all his holy church.
12: Look kindly, Lord, upon these holy offerings which we make in honor of St. Benedict and grant that by following his example in seeking you we may merit the gifts of unity in your service and of peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. For in the saints who consecrated themselves to Christ For the sake of the kingdom of heaven It is right to celebrate the wonders of your providence By which you call human nature back to its original holiness And bring it to experience on this earth The gifts you promise in the new world to come And so with all the angels and saints we praise you as without end we
8: acclaim, song to whose song to whose song to Stominus Teusabolt Plaini Sunchali Terra Gloria to ha whose on high inex shall cease and qui veni domini, hosanna in excelsis.
12: You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ.
8: forever and
12: ever. Amen. At the Savior's command informed by divine teaching we dare
8: to say Our "Our Father Father, who art art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy Thy kingdom kingdom come come. thy Thy will be be done. done Anu steyi, qui tollis pecatum di, miserere nobis. Anu steyi, qui tollis pecatum di, miserere nobis. Anu steyi.
12: This is the steward, faithful and prudent, whom the Lord set over his household to give them their allowance of food at the proper time.
8: An act of
1: spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament.
8: I love you above all things and desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally,
1: come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there
8: here in hiding whom I do adore masked by these bare shadows shape and nothing more see Lord at thy service low lies here a heart lost all lost in wonder at the God thou art, seeing, touching, tasting, are in thee deceived, House is trusty hearing that shall be believed. what God' Son hath told me, take for truth, I do. Truth Himself speaks truly, or there's nothing true.
12: Let us pray. Having received this pledge of eternal life, we humbly beseech you, O Lord, that attentive to the teaching of St. Benedict we may faithfully serve your designs and love one another with fervent charity through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life.
8: Thanks be to God. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with you.
9: Blessed are
8: you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Jesus, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of death.
9: Amen.
2: The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil.
11: I peace always in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.
5: Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio
3: every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio
4: Network. I'm
6: Father Peter Damien from Holy Rosary, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.